Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 45 of the Writer's Block Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Laurie, and if you tuned in to last week's episode, you know that, unfortunately, Jess Navarro is no longer a part of the podcast, not not because I kicked her off and it's like Survivor where her name was drawn out of a hat. She was eliminated from the island. No, that's not the case here. Uh, She is going on to do bigger and better things, and she is going to be the Cowboys beat reporter for Pro Football Network, so we wish Jess, nothing but the best. Um, and of course, everybody here, you know, please go follow all of the work that she does. I know it's going to be spectacular. So with that being said, we do know kids of the 90s, people like that who have been around that era. We know that the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers were a popular TV show of that era, still is going on today. But the original lineup was something that people really fell in love with. People love the original lineup of the Power Rangers. And then, of course, with that change and everything that happened, they transitioned to new people. There was Jason as the Red Ranger, but then it became Tommy as the Red Ranger. And people didn't know what to think of that. And it actually turns out, given some time, Tommy was a pretty good leader, a pretty good Red Ranger. So I have a few Rangers that I'm calling in uh, for reinforcements. I talk about that all the time when we have special guests. And these are going to be two guys that are going to be staples of the podcast, guys that you hear on a regular basis for the Writer's Block podcast. So the first Ranger I would like to introduce is none other than David Howman, who you hear all the time on the podcast, great friend of the show, uh, very intelligent writer at BTB. So I'm happy he's on here with this. Um, And so, Howman, with that being said, do you feel like that the Red Ranger fits your role a little bit, or you think that those are too big of shoes to fill right now? I mean, yeah, what a what a high bar to set with with the Red Ranger. But you know, to your point, Tommy was just you know he he came in and people weren't quite sure what they were getting with Tommy, but he ended up really working out. And I'm a fan of Tommy as the Red Ranger, so I, I think that's those are lofty expectations. But I look forward to proving you right. And you know. We all know that the Green Ranger was his origin story, an evil ranger at that. And we're not saying that you were evil to start. Now you're transitioning to the side of good. But uh, let's give people a little intro into who you are. Because, again, we've had you on the show. You've been on the roundtables before weekly. But maybe people don't know about your origin story, your backstory. So give people sort of a brief overview of how you kind of came to be a writer at Blogging the Boys. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've always been um, a big Cowboys fan throughout my lifetime. I, For those who don't know, I was born and raised in Arizona. And so around the time that I was really starting to pay attention to football and getting interested in that, the Arizona Cardinals were just absolutely not a team that you wanted to root for. At the time, they were trying to make Matt Leinart still work out as a quarterback, and he was just not not doing it. You know, you had Larry Fitzgerald, and everyone loved him. But other than that, there wasn't really much to root for year in, year out. And so I started looking around at other games on TV, happened upon a game where the Cowboys 
put in a guy named Tony Romo at quarterback, some undrafted guy and never played before he comes in against the Giants and just absolutely leads this comeback. Didn't actually pull off the win, but he played so well that he ended up getting the start the next week. And I said, you know what? I, I like I like this guy's story. I like this team and the resiliency that they showed. And I said, I'm going to root for this team. So that's how I came to the Cowboys. And just every single game, every single season fell more in love with this team and the idea of them getting back to that point of, of getting another Super Bowl ring and, you know, un- undoing the all of the curses that they had since their last Super Bowl. And, of course, unfortunately, they're still in that process of trying to get there, trying to get back to the mountaintop. But um, as I paid more and more attention to the Cowboys, as I got more involved in, in learning about football, learning about the team, um, I, I just had this passion to write. And so uh, at the time I was leaving high school, going into college, and I started with some uh, – some small website startup that was made up entirely of college students where we were all primarily writing about the college that we attended, the college sports teams there, but we also dabbled in other topics. And I said, I want to write about the Cowboys and everyone loves reading about the Cowboys. So they said, absolutely. Let's get some Cowboys content up there. And that's kind of where my, my journey as a Cowboys writer started and began. But as a Cowboys fan, I had always been reading blogging the boys and, that was always the number one Cowboys that I wanted to go to and, and had they had great content consistently. And at a certain point after I'd been writing for a few years, I said, I'm going to reach out to Dave Halpern, our, our fearless leader over Blogging the Boys, and said, you know, I've been writing about the Cowboys. I love Blogging the Boys. I would love to be part of the team. And he, you know, read one of my sample articles and said, hey, you know, you're okay. We, we can take you. We'll, we'll do a little bit of charity. Um of course, I jest, but uh, I was very lucky to to be added to this incredible team and be working with some incredible people. Um, and it's and this will actually be my sixth season wow. with the Cowboys with with blogging the boys. Um, actually, the first article I wrote was talking about Dalton Schultz because he had just been drafted, and I was making the case that he was going to become the 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 next top tight end for the Cowboys. He was going to replace Jason Witten and things were just going to go great with him. And so that was kind of where it all started for me with blogging the boys. And now we're at a weird point where Schultz kind of went on that career arc and then now he's no longer with the team. So we're really in an uncharted waters for me here. I, I like it because we, we do know that you were sort of an Oliver Twist character uh, getting the handout, you know, like you said, charity work. So we like that. But also uh, as Dalton Schultz leaves, you're stepping in, you're stepping in. So I guess that's uh, it's a good sign. Um, for, for you at least. And, you know, with, with your passion for the Cowboys, is that really your, where your passion for journalism started? Like, did you have somebody that you followed when you were younger that sort of piqued your interest with writing and making a career out of it? How did you get into writing in the first place? Um, I think largely for me, it was just that writing has always been something that I've taken an interest in and um, been good at. My teachers always said, well, he's not really good at math or science, but he's a very good writer. He's a very talented writer. That's what they always said when they called home. Um, and so, you know, I, I have always enjoyed writing and I really enjoy sports and specifically the Cowboys. Um, I remember back when Bleacher Report first started up and everybody was reading Bleacher Report and every, it seemed like all the all the various writers out there that were really high quality were going to Bleacher Report. And I remember like, uh, earlier mornings before class would start in high school, like reading through all the different uh, Cowboys writers on there, 
Um, and then other just in general NFL writers, I'm a, I was a huge fan of um, Mike Tenier. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, he's, he writes for, he, he writes about the NFL in general, and he was really the one who kind of introduced me to analytics within football, and that's something that I've become a lot more interested in. And as it turns out, the Cowboys have become very interested in in recent weeks, putting together a, a really robust analytics department. But um, I mean, I, I've I've read, you know, so many different people that have written about the Cowboys or talked about them, and um, that's one of the great things about this team is so many people love this team and show that in a variety of different ways. And I also think that the the more you, content you can create around this team, like you said, everybody loves Cowboys content. So if you can kind of find your home, find your niche. I know for you, it has been analytics. You've been a big analytics guy. You've been breaking a lot of the news on the site with regards to the hires and the recent hires, and that might be something we get into. But uh, last, before we kind of get into our main topic, you know, what's your favorite BTV article that you've written or sort of your favorite Cowboys memory? Uh, you know, you mentioned the Tony Romo start, but is there anything else that kind of stands out professionally, but also in your fandom? Um, I think uh, to, to kind of go along with the, the theme of, of Cowboys and analytics, um, as far as favorite, favorite articles, uh, a couple years ago, I started doing a weekly article throughout the season of the Cowboys analytics roundup. And every single week, I'll, I'll look at certain analytical categories and how the Cowboys stack up against the rest of the league as the season progresses. So you get to see, like, maybe they started out really hot or, you know, if they have a bad game, how much that actually affects them in these rankings where some of these, you know, advanced measures are supposed to kind of adjust for you know, if you have one bad game, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad team. Um, and that's been a lot of fun because it's, one, it's been interesting just to see how that progresses and how that evolves on a week-to-week basis, but also, um, you know, having an opportunity to provide sort of a, a hub for these advanced analytics, what some of these numbers mean, what a lot of these acronyms mean, because there's a whole lot of acronyms in, in football analytics and you know, like DVOA, EPA, DYAR, you know, CPOE, all these things get thrown at you. Um, so it's fun to be able to provide something kind of on a weekly basis that we can keep coming back to and, and see, you know, wh- how these things look and how much they actually impact the quality of team that we see and how they're playing. Um, and then just in terms of a favorite Cowboys memory, um, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if I'd say favorite memory, but definitely the, the first one that always comes to mind when I think about the Cowboys is, of course, the the Dez catch and the controversial yeah. nature of that, um, especially now in retrospect, the fact that that came against Mike McCarthy and now he's in Dallas coaching the Cowboys. And I specifically remember how, um, you know, we were talking after the game, everybody, all the Cowboys fans were saying, he threw the challenge flag, like, because back then, coaches weren't allowed to challenge on certain plays, and, and that meant that it, it couldn't shouldn't have been reviewed at that point, but they didn't see that he threw the challenge flag, and there were just so many different layers to that whole controversy of, of Des, we all know, he caught the ball. Yeah, yeah, um, there's no argument there. Not at all, and and especially just because, you know, then, then the very next week, uh, the Packers, you know, have this huge lead and then they kind of blew it in the fourth quarter. And so that just added fuel to the fire of that could have been us. We could have been the one to not blow that lead and we could have gone to the Super Bowl. So 
that, that was a very memorable season for a lot of reasons. And it ended in a way that um, obviously is a painful memory, but it's also one that I think is kind of a, a big cultural moment for us because we can all say, you know, if you meet up with a random Cowboys fan, you can say Des caught it and immediately you're bonded with that person because they're like, absolutely, he caught it. And I also think that that moment in time, we didn't know it, but it was sort of the end of the era for that Cowboys football team where, you know, DeMarco Murray left. Des was not usually the same player. I mean, 2015, of course, he dealt with the injury. 2016, um, you know, it, it was sort of a, a renaissance for him. 2017, like just in and out of the lineup. And then, of course, Tony Romo dealing with injury as well. So it's sort of that was when Dak Prescott came in, Ezekiel Elliott kind of rejuvenated the team. So that was sort of the last moment that a lot of Cowboys fans during that time in our fandom, our early fandom, kind of came together. And then we transitioned into this new era. So and I also think with you with your analytics background, we did mention the Cowboys are transitioning to this new era as well. I think it's important to have somebody on here who can explain a lot of things because you see a lot of these terms thrown out there like DVOA and people throw it out all the time, but there's no real explanation of what it means. So the fact that we have Hellman here to break things down when you see it, make it make sense, figure out if it's a good or a bad thing for the Cowboys, I think is important for you guys as the listeners. So with that being said, we will transition now to our topic and I mean, this time next week, I can't believe how fast the offseason has flown by. When you look at where the season ended, we were in the draft, free agency, and, you know, we were kind of saying, well, you know, June is is here. The Cowboys are going to be in Oxnard within under the month. Well, we're here now. You know, this time next week, the Cowboys will be reporting for training camp on the 26th. And the first week will conclude kind of around August 1st. So we're going to use our crystal ball here as journalists. We're going to predict what headlines are going to be coming out from the first week of training camp? Uh, some things that we might be talking about. So, Halman, I'm going to start with you, and then we'll transition going back and forth with about two headlines, uh, and we'll see if, if we actually are in lockstep with this. But I hope we have a few different answers. So with that, I'll, de- I'll designate your first answer. Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, there's obviously there's going to be a lot of headlines, and really at the beginning there's going to be all these sound bites that everyone's, you know, we're, we're – fully in i'm in the best shape of my life territory right now and so i mean that's not one of my two that i'm predicting but that's also i mean we know that there's there's going to be something like that out there at some point um but looking deep into my crystal ball i think that one headline that we're gonna see uh early on is that the offense looks crisp and you know there might be a couple other words besides crisp like fast-paced, sleek, it looks efficient, you know, all these all these different um, descriptor words that we like to use. But, um, I, I mean, I think just in general, a lot of offenses tend to look really good early on, um, you know, because most of the time you're running routes on air, you're not really uh, working tight, tightly with the defense like you would be in a scrimmage. And especially right now with this offense, they all kind of have this chip on their shoulder. Mike McCarthy's taking over the play calling too, and they all kind of want to prove that, like, they they made a right decision in, you know, bringing in Brandon Cooks and trusting Mike McCarthy to run the offense. Dak is clearly has a chip on his shoulder about the interceptions, and I think they're all going to come out with a ton of energy, and early on everyone's going to be saying, wow, this offense looks really good. I agree, and you know, shameless plug to our last week's episode when we had Simi Fajoko on, who I know you're a big fan of. Um, you know, he talked about how 
everybody in that locker room, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but in the entire team, like they're confident in what they have. They know that they have Mike McCarthy as their leader, their play caller, Brian Schottenheimer, of course. And he trusts that he's going to be putting everybody in the best position possible for success. And he said, you know, just wait, just wait until Sundays in the fall. Things are going to be explosive. Things are going to be happening. And I couldn't agree. And, you know, of course, pictures are surfacing now. He did allude to it on our podcast that, you know, they were planning on taking a trip um, and kind of having like a bonding experience um, before training camp to kind of work out with each other, uh, build off the field chemistry, with that, which I think is super important, especially when you do have new guys stepping into these roles. Brandon Cooks is new to the entire team and the offense, so you want to make sure he's acclimated. Jake Ferguson seemingly is going to get the first crack at being tight end one for this team. So there's a lot of moving parts, and of course you want to get the depth pieces. Even somebody like a David Durden, uh, who was Mr. Uh, X, I think, uh, according to the Athletic Caitlin Keller's article, um, you know, player X went during the draft. So there's a lot of names out there that the Cowboys are trying to acclimate into this new offense, and it's cool to see Dak being at the center of it. Something that I wanted to look in my crystal ball and see, and this is something that popped out, I think there would be a lot of questions asked about this week one, which is why Mike McCarthy decided to kind of put an emphasis on analytics. We talked about it at the top, something that you've been really keen on. And I do think that there would be a lot of questions and comments about why now, why analytics. And I do think that there was a great podcast series that came out on the Athletic Football Show, which was the Play Caller series that Jordan Rodrigue did, talking about Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, this sort of McVay-Shanahan tree, and where it stands in the NFL offense now, and where the scheme and everything is going for future generations, and people keep saying, Mike McCarthy is behind, you know, he's an older play caller, he doesn't have the same experience in a modern NFL, but I think when you see this new wave of analytics in the Cowboys department and all these hirings, these uh, furious hirings at that, I think it shows that he's willing to embrace the modern NFL. He's talked about that when he joined the Cowboys. And I just want to get your perspective on, you know, you have now the platform and the voice to say what you think about all these hirings uh, and where the Cowboys are transitioning to analytics. I think it's just going to be a big emphasis, not only from week one, but heading into the season and throughout training camp. Yeah, I'm really, really interested. One, like you said, to hear what Mike McCarthy says about these hirings um, and and how how they seek to use this this team of of analytics gurus that they've added to their staff. Um, but also, I think perhaps more interesting, well, definitely more interesting, is how it actually plays out in the game. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, Mike McCarthy, um, as you were saying, a lot of people are saying now he's he's behind the times. He and that was a common criticism when he got fired in Green Bay was that his offense got stale and predictable. Um, and it's interesting because when you actually look at some of the factors that we think about when we think about analytics in football, he, for a long time in Green Bay, was ahead of the curve. I mean, from 2010 to 2018, uh, which, of course, 2018 being the last season that McCarthy was the head coach for the Packers, the Packers led the league in early down pass rate. That's a, a big thing in analytics is that teams should be throwing early and often because it sets your quarterback up for success. Defenses generally are playing the run on first and second down, so it's easier for a quarterback to complete passes at a high level on those downs. And, I mean, he, he was, in general, a very pass-happy offensive play caller. And so for most of his time in Green Bay, he was ahead of the curve, and analytics wasn't really much of a focus there. And ironically, McCarthy was one who even outright denounced analytics at the time. And he said he has a, a press conference quote somewhere out there about um, how like 
football isn't played on spreadsheets or something to that effect. Yeah. And like, that's are for losers. Um, and of course he, you know, in, in his year off from football, he uh, visited pro football focus headquarters in Cincinnati, became very familiar with analytics and, and started uh, professing his love for it. And now going into this season where, you know, McCarthy took over play calling, he's, you know, arguably he's, he's got a more control over this team than he ever has at any point throughout his tenure. Um, especially with, with Kellen Moore having been gone now, this is completely his staff, completely people that he's hired. Um, and we're seeing this influx of analytics people and not only analytics people, but they've come from other organizations. John Park, who's kind of heading up the analytics department was, uh, one of the top analytics guys for the Colts and they for a long time were one of the more analytically inclined teams in the NFL. So I, I think it, it's very encouraging signs, especially that the Cowboys front office leadership with Jerry and Steven Jones is they're really getting on board with this. But of course it doesn't matter if the Cowboys go out and still are just doing the same exact thing. If, if they're running now Tony Pollard into a brick wall on first down it's not going to make much of a difference if they're not going for it on fourth down when they showed it's not going to make a difference. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see what we can actually perceive as changes with this new staff coming in. And not only Mike McCarthy, but I think it'll be interesting to see if any of the players talk about it a lot more because there is so much of an influence. And if this was just a John Park hire and just one guy, I think it wouldn't be more than just sort of a blip on the radar. Like, oh, okay, you know, that's an interesting thing. But they just seemingly just keep stacking name after name and really good hires at that. I know they just hired somebody as recently as this past week. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. It's just a big change, a big shift, and I think it's something where Mike McCarthy deserves a lot of credit if it works. But, of course, if it doesn't, like you said, it's sort of the same old, same old, but it remains to be seen. I think there's going to be a lot of talk about that throughout the season. So with that, what's your second headline that you kind of predict after week one of training camp? My second headline is a little less optimistic than the first. Um, so I'll just preface it by saying I'm looking in the crystal ball. This isn't me coming up with things. It's just what the crystal ball tells me. Yeah. But the crystal ball is telling me that there's going to be a headline out there about how the Cowboys are still having kicker issues. Oh, okay. And, and that's going to drive everyone crazy. <laughs> and Twitter's going to break for a moment, I'm sure. Um, you know, the Cowboys went quite a while this offseason of having just Tristan Vizcano on their roster as a kicker. And then they talked about, we're looking at veterans. We're looking at guys in the XFL. We're waiting for the USFL to, to finish their season. And to their credit, that's exactly what they did. And they signed Brandon Aubrey from the USFL, who is really interesting because he's a Texas native. So he, he has you have the homecoming story, but then he also started out his career playing soccer or, or football. But because we're talking about football, I, I need yeah. to easily differentiate. Um, and, and so really just in the last two years is when he's actually been professionally playing football as a kicker in the USFL. And I mean, he was good in the USFL, so maybe he comes in and he, he ends up just winning the job and the Cowboys seem to really like him. But I think it's also very possible, especially in that first week, that he comes out there, maybe has a couple misses, maybe it's a windy day, you never know. Um, and, and maybe Tristan Vizcano also doesn't look that good, and so then there's going to be headlines about Cowboys still have kicker issues. Robbie Gold is still out there. Mason Crosby is still out there. Why don't they bring in one of those guys? And, you know, we saw kind of the same approach Last year, when they brought in Jonathan Garibay, that didn't work out. They went with Brett Maher in the end. Um, and I think that early on, there's going to be some concern about we're going back down that road 
two years in a row. You're sending us to a dark place uh, two years <laughs> in a row, and I, I don't like that. But again, it, it's the crystal ball. It's nothing on you. It's just somewhere out there. Maybe there's a, a universe where that's a problem. And I do think that, you know, to expect the Cowboys to strike or get lightning in a bottle twice with Cavante Turpin coming from the USFL, a special teams player, MVP, to then get another player from the USFL who's going to have just as much success. I mean, Brandon Aubrey, of course, again, namesake. That's always awesome to get another Brandon in the building. But I do think that he was a successful kicker at the USFL level. He was all USFL uh, in the first season when he was with the Stallions. So I think he has a lot more success, proven success. He was playing in a professional style football league as opposed to Garibay coming from college. So maybe there's a little bit more to kind of go on, but I do agree where by any means it shouldn't be held like steadfast that, okay, this is their solution to kicker. I think it just still remains to be seen, especially with what happened last year. And again, the Cowboys only have, I believe it was reported today on Monday that they still only have 89 players on their roster heading into training camp. There's still one more spot to be filled. Could that be a kicker? Robbie Gold, like you mentioned, is still out there. Mason Crosby, maybe they have a three-man competition. They had three kick, uh, three kickers at one point last year between Maher, Hyralahu, and Garibay. So, you know, it could be a possibility. Uh, I don't want to live in that world. I hope it's not something that we have to write about next week because that would be uh, terrible. But something where there is another position in need that people are talking about, my second headline, is that linebacker has been a problem for the Cowboys with regards to this offseason, trying to find somebody who's behind Leighton Vander Esch that has proven success. Of course, Anthony Barr is still out there, but he's not on the team right now. I think the combined experience at the NFL level for the linebacking core is 24 years of age and 2.5 years of experience. And that includes Leighton Vander Esch in that room, but taking out someone like a Micah Parsons. So there's a lot of youth in that room. And even LVE talked about that. He thought last year was young, but this year is even younger. But my headline that I'm, I'm seeing in this crystal ball is that DeMarvian Overshone is flashing. He's showing a lot of promise at the linebacker position. And I do think that he is a springy, flashy player coming out of college, coming out of Texas. And there was a lot of tenacity, a lot of springiness to his game, but never like a direct focus. There was really never a purpose to him playing. He was just kind of see ball, hit ball type and I think when you get somebody like a Dan Quinn to kind of focus that energy a little bit more, I think that that will also make him a better player and in return where he can actually be an overall better pro at this level and impact the team right away. The Cowboys have a lot of questions at the linebacker position. It's sort of open competition right now between Leighton Vander Esch, uh, Damone Clark, DeMarvin Overshone, Devin Harper, Jabril Cox. Like All these guys are going to be shuffled around. Really the only one who's sort of solidified should be LVE. But again, because of injuries and, and the history of the position, you just don't know where it's going to go. And if they don't sign a veteran player, like you're going to need a lot of these young guys to step up. And I do think with somebody with Overshone's uh, proven success, his speed, I think would be great uh, for the Cowboys. And just to use him as another chess piece, I think would be awesome. And if we hear about that after week one, I think you might not worry about uh, the linebacking issue and then just see what happens into the preseason. And maybe you figure that out into maybe week five, six of the regular season if you want to bring somebody else in. But I think he'll show enough flashes early on to where you feel a little less stressed about the linebacking core. I would be really happy if that ends up being a headline that we're writing about. Um, I mean, Overshown, I, I'm really excited for him, and not just because he has a, a all-time football name. Um, but, <laughs> and, and a good uh, voice, too, and a good voice. And a good voice, and, you know, if, if you're a Longhorns fan, he went to, you know, he obviously had good decision-making when he chose where he went to play college. Um, 
but I mean, he, he's, he's very exciting for a lot of reasons. And the thing that I always think about when I remember the, the Overshone pick was he comes with a lot of very similar traits to what we all got really excited about with Jabril Cox back when they drafted him. And yeah. so um, part of me does kind of worry about like, if Overshone ends up having just a phenomenal camp, does that mean that Jabril Cox is now on the roster bubble? Or is it kind of like a, a battle between those two? Because I still really like Jabril Cox. I really want him to to turn out to be the guy that we were all really excited about. Um, and especially what it would mean for this linebacker group, because like you said, there's there's uncertainty about who's playing next to Leighton Vanderesh. There's also uncertainty about, you know, Vanderesh, can he keep up this level of play? I, as someone who has never doubted Van Der Esch in my entire life, think that he's going to keep up this level of play for a very long time. But the linebacker group, you know, especially when you're looking at this defense, defensive line is just loaded with talent, secondary, especially after getting Stephon Gilmore, loaded with talent. And so the linebacker group is really where you start to say, well, there's a couple questions. Maybe we don't really know who the starters are going to be week one and how that rotation is going to work out. Um, so, I mean, if Overshone comes in and, uh, and is just wowing us. Even if he doesn't end up being a starter, that's still really good for the overall depth and how much you can put your trust in this group. And I, again, I have total faith in Dan Quinn to see this vision through. You know, he drafted his guys in Mozzie Smith, Overshone, and uh, even someone like a junior for Hoko, too, where that could be a player that flashes week one, and I wouldn't be surprised. So if you see the rookie class start to take over on defense, I think it's also a testament to the talent, but also credit to Dan Quinn to finding these guys, getting them in the right position. And, uh, you know, listen, three out of four on positivity isn't bad. You got to throw a little negativity with the kicker situation in there. But I'm very excited to have you a part of the podcast and, and you know, our group that we're going to be forming uh, moving forward on the writer's block. But um, with that said, where can people find you on Twitter, Howman, as we kind of transition into this new era of our, our Power Rangers? Uh, maybe season two, we could say. <laughs> Yeah, you can find you can find me at uh, Tommy Red Ranger. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, although I'm now I'm having thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore dh44 underscore. You got to make sure to get those underscores on both ends. Um, and I'm usually fairly active, especially when there's football content. Which, thank God that we're about to get some more football content. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Yeah, it's been uh, pretty miserable, and, and like, I, I've spent almost the entire offseason, you know, like, the meme where it's Spongebob looking out the window, or uh, Squibber looking out the window, and Spongebob <laughs> and Patrick are running around? That, to me, was, yeah. like, you know, uh, baseball, and maybe uh, Lionel uh, Messi, or Lionel Messi, however you pronounce his first name, right. news and everything. Like, MLS is getting a lot of hype. Uh, basketball had their draft. Baseball had their draft. They're midseason right now. And it's sort of like everybody is watching from the window like, man, when's football going to come around? And the fact that it's already here is is pretty awesome. But I'm just so happy that we're going to have you along for the ride for this. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this season for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. And um, to just bring things full circle, uh, check in my watch. And it's morphin' time. All right, guys, now it's time to introduce the other newest member of the Writer's Block podcast and another BTB writer that shares the same namesake as me. So we we know that we had to get him on here to be one of the new members. And it's another none other than Brandon Clements, of course. You've been on the podcast before. We've talked numerous times on the roundtable. I'm so happy that you're joining the Writer's Block podcast as a full-time voice now that people can hear you all the time. So uh, alongside David Hallman and potentially another member too. So we'll get into that potentially next week. So uh, Brandon, so happy that you're here and so happy that you're here full-time now. Yeah, it's it's a blessing. Like when I when I got the when I got the uh, the nod, I was like, whoa, this is this is cool. It's it's and it's funny that it was you know Hallman was the he was the first name that like that like I was like what's you know he's the guy I want to do a show with. Like I I you know you and Jess had your thing going. I was like okay like you know Tony's got his thing going with Aiden. Like you know we we have all these different shows and I'm like and I do these roundtables with Hallman like every single week and. and he actually reached out to me first. Like I was thinking it, this is no joke. And, and I, I said this to Hellman. He, he reaches out to me and he's like, Hey, he's like, how, how would you feel about doing a podcast? And this is like months ago. This is still into the season. And I'm like, dude, I, I was thinking the same thing. You, you hit the send the send button before I did. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a blessing. Like, and, and I respect Hellman very much. Like I, I think he, he brings different viewpoints so we, him and I disagree on things, which makes it great for, you know, great for entertainment purposes, but I know his thoughts and like, he's a, he's a deep thinker and he really, he analyzes the game a different way than I do, which I think it's, you know, the, the way I do it versus the way he does it, it's going to make it for really good, good, you know, good audio, good video. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be here in this situation and, and, you know, there, there, there's going to be a third amigo, you know, coming down the pike. So that'll, That'll be fun. I, you know, I, I think I think that third amigo is going to be pretty darn, uh, pretty darn fun too. And and him and actually him and I were actually talking about doing, you know, doing a show together too. Like, you know, I said, why don't we? You know, I was like, maybe we should do, you know, us and then Hellman. So it, and and this is no joke. Like, I didn't talk to RJ about any of like any of this directly. Like, oh hey, the three of us want to do a show. We all kind of just talked on the side, you know, messaging each other, just like bouncing stuff off each other, just having kind of, you know, brief conversations. And it's just funny that things are falling in place the way that they are. And I'm very excited to see what the, the, the next chapter here is with the writer's block. It's going to be a lot of fun. Really just want to give people a refresher of who you are. Because, again, we've heard your voice on the roundtable. We've heard your voice on the writer's block before. I know we've talked about it before. But just give people an overview of not only you as a writer, but, you know, how you came to be at BTB, sort of your BTB origin story, like just in a very Cliff Notes version. Sure. So, so essentially, it, it honestly, it, it came down to last, you know, last year I was – you know, you know, it was, you know, I had some, you know, tough things going on in the, in, in the, in the personal side of things, you know, for me, it was, 
it was a loss of my brother that really like, you know, put life into perspective for me. And he was always my biggest advocate, my biggest supporter, no matter what I did, even if I was not that great at it, or I was still working at it. He was always like, he always said, Hey, you're going to do really good. You, you know, just keep working at it. You're the hardest worker. I know you, you're going to do it. And he was my biggest, he was always my biggest fan. So, you know, you know, after the dust settled a little bit and I was able to get back into a normal groove, it essentially, you know, I, you know, I was talking to RJ and, and just pretty much I slid into RJ's DMs, like I always say. And, and, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, I, they, you know, they, you know, and, and Dave as well, they, they both gave me the opportunity to, uh, you know, write like a, like essentially like a, almost like a tryout article. I know they didn't word it that way, but it was kind of like, let's see what he has. And to be honest with you, I was nervous because like we talked off, off air, you know, I, I, I wasn't a writer first. I was a, I'm a podcaster first. I've yeah. been in radio for a long time. So writing, writing was you know, wasn't my first thing. And it was, but it was something I was like, you know what, why don't we try this out? Like it's, you know, if I could, if I can talk about the Dallas Cowboys in print, so to speak, that was, that was something that intrigued me. And I wrote an article. It was, I think my first one, it was besides the intro, they always do, but it was the undrafted uh, free agent to make the team. I, you know, it came off really well. I, I enjoyed it. And, and, and Dave and RJ seemed to like it. And, 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 it, and that's, that's pretty much where it came from. It was, that's, that's where it was. And it, it's been just over a year now. We were just talking off air. It's been just over a year. It's been, it's been a really good year. And I've, I've, I think I've come a long way as a writer, even in that, that year because of the advice of, of you know, of, of like of Dave, the boss man, as I like to call him. Oh, yeah. He, you know, he, he gives you great advice. He's, he's, he's a, he's just a good, he's a good guy. He's looking out for you. You know, he wants, he wants, he wants you to keep getting better. And, and everything that he's ever said to me, I've taken it and I've said, you know what, I know what he's, I know what he's trying to do. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take him for his word and, 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 you know, do it. And, and, it, and I feel like even, you know, even friends of mine that, you know, they read the articles, they're like, dude, you're, 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 you're different, but it's so, it's so good. Like you've gotten so much better. So it's, you know, it's, it's cool that, you know, you know, David took a chance on somebody like me and, and then, you know, RJ, you know, RJ, you know, he's been great to me as well. And got to do a lot of round tables last year. As you know, I, I do, I do podcasting. I've done radio for years. So this stuff isn't, you know, this isn't new to me, the, the podcasting, the radio stuff. I've been doing a wrestling show since 2017. So I've been doing that for a long time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cool that, you know, I could, you know, I could evolve into doing Dallas Cowboys podcasting. Like it's, it's really cool where, where things have gone in the last year. And then, and, and BTB is just a great place for, you know, for growth and, and to, you know, you know, for, you know, you know, help, you know, help build yourself up for the future. It's a great place to be. And we have a great team here. And, and even, you know, even some of you that you're, that you're leaving, you're always going to be part of the BTB family. Uh, absolutely. And I think, like like you mentioned, you hit the nail on the head. RJ has a knack for finding the absolute best talent, creating the best group of people to kind of come together and and really amplify what BTB is all about. So, I mean, this group is, is unlike any other, and certainly with the writer's block, too, it'll be moving forward. And with that, we talked about in the first part with Halman on looking into our crystal ball. The headlines coming from week one of the Cowboys training camp, which I cannot believe – it's already here, like we talked about. And so trying to see, he said one negative. So he took 50%. He went half positive, half negative. I'll let you start because, again, you know, I want to get your voice out there as well, too. So what's sort of your first headline that you're reading this crystal ball? Lots going on in here. What are you pulling from that and kind of seeing maybe by August 1st, uh, two weeks from now? 
I think my I'm I'm a, I'm a positive guy. I, I'm a half glass full. I'm not going to be negative at this point. I know I, I know uh, I know Hallman. You know he he talked about the kicker and everything. So <laughs> I'm going to stay out of that wheelhouse for now, and and I'm going to stick to this right here. It's uh, Deron Bland is going to solidify himself early on as the number three corner for the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. As much as I love Jordan Lewis, Deron Bland is the number three cornerback. You know, he's, we're going to know pretty pretty quickly that he's going to be our number three cornerback for for the Cowboys for the 2023 season. That's that's going to solidify really quick here. He's he's a heck of a talent, and and honestly, if the Cowboys didn't get Stephon Gilmore, I I wouldn't have been I would have been totally fine with him being the the, the cornerback too. Yeah. I just I, I'm super high on him. I've talked about him on on you know various roundtables throughout the last season. He's he's just one of those dudes that like. Dan, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, who we know, we know how his prowess is with finding talent and finding gems. I remember listening to him talk about Deron Bland during the process, and I'm like, "Who's this guy?" Yeah. So I'm like, if, D, "If DJ likes this guy, I'm like, all right, I trust DJ. That guy knows a thing or two about football." So I, you know, I so I grabbed, you know, I grabbed as much film as I could about this kid, and, and I got to see his journey. You know, I got to watch. You know, you get to see anything on YouTube now. It's great, so you can watch all these different highlights. And I looked at, it, I'm like man, this kid would be, this kid's going to be a good player. And I'm like, and then a short time later, the Cowboys draft him at the, on day three, I'm like, I'm jumping for joy. And like, I'm sitting there watching it. And my, you know, my buddies are like, why are you getting excited about a guy out of Fresno state? I'm like, no, this kid's going to be really good. I, and I didn't think he was going to be as good as fast as he was. I yeah. figured he'd be a developmental guy because he did come from like Sacramento state. So he had to, you know, the level of competition, you know, it is what it is with that. I figured he'd be a guy. I didn't know he was going to be a dog, like pretty much right away. Like he, he just, he's a heck of a player. And Deron Bland for me, he's going to be, he's going to be our cornerback three this year. And no offense to Jordan Lewis. I still think there, there still could be a, a, a role on the team for him. I, I, I'm a huge Jordan Lewis fan. I just, I just hope they can find a spot and keep him on the team, but it's going to be tough because there's a lot of talent that are on that's in that secondary room. And it's, 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 it's going to be a fun training camp to see who comes out on top, aside from, in my opinion, the top three of Diggs, Gilmore, and Bland. Well, and it's very timely that you bring this up because it was, I think NFL on Twitter put out the highlight reel of Deron Bland's rookie season with all the interceptions, of course, leading the Cowboys with five interceptions. And I think even on top of that, CBS Sports put out their sort of superlatives entering 2023 and best secondary was given or best cornerback group. I forget which one it was. I think it was best corners was given to the Dallas Cowboys. When you look top to bottom, like you mentioned, Diggs, Gilmore, Bland, Lewis. I mean, these are guys that are proven veteran players to go along with like a youth, a youth movement in Dallas. And it, it's, I think it's an interesting scenario that you brought up where where does Jordan Lewis fit into this? He is still coming back from the injury, so we'll see what happens if if he's going to be on pup or not pumped pup to enter uh, training camp. But I think the Cowboys, they want as many bodies, proven bodies as possible. We saw that at the end of last season, the Cowboys were really struggling to find depth at the cornerback position after they lost Lewis, after they lost Anthony Brown. And they were just trying to find scraps off the off the street in free agency with Xavier Rhodes pulling from the practice squad. Guys who weren't really proven, but you know, still just they needed bodies. But then you had a guy like Izzy Mukwamu stepping in the playoffs. So you're right. I mean, there's definitely a lot of talent in the Cowboys secondary right now. Uh, and it's funny because the first point that I wanted to bring up in this part, because I have to come up with four talking to the both of you, uh, is somebody who's not on the team right now. And I could I see in this crystal ball, it's not negative. It's sort of half and half. It's sort of riding the fence a little bit. 
But I could see a scenario where maybe after week one, people are questioning if the Cowboys should bring back Ezekiel Elliott. And I say that because we don't know where things are going to be sitting with Tony Pollard. We know he said he's healthy to go into training camp as soon as it starts. But if they want to put a little bit more rest on his timeline just to kind of let him sit back, kind of keep healing the leg a little bit. Of course, that's going to put more work on Malik Davis, Ronald Jones, Hunter Lipke, and also Deuce Vaughn, the electric rookie. Maybe it's going to be out of sync for for the first part. You know, we know Malik Davis was recently out with Dak Prescott and all the guys in Georgia, and he was getting work in with him, which that's always awesome to see. But where does Ronald Jones fit into the mix? Where does Deuce Vaughn fit into the mix? You know, there's a lot of things that need to be learned, especially with not only being a rookie coming into year one, but also an offensive change undergoing under Mike McCarthy, Brian Schottenheimer. There's not a lot of language that people are going to be learning from last year. Some of the same Mike McCarthy has talked about kind of trying to bring a little bit over, but he still wants to put his stamp on the team. And then you also have a new running back coach. So maybe there's a scenario where people are starting to look and say, ooh, Maybe the running back position needs a little bit something else here. And if you bring somebody like Elliott back, of course, he's still a free agent. As as we're recording right now, that can change to when this comes out or next week when the crystal ball is, is proven to be right or wrong. Uh, but maybe there's a possibility that Zeke comes back. So I'll ask you one final time before training camp starts. Do you think that this is a possibility that Zeke comes back? Or do you think just at the end of the day, it's Tony Pollard, Ronald Jones, Deuce Vaughn, and all these other guys that are going to be sorted out uh, for the season? Yeah, you, I mean, you, you know me. I love Zeke. Yeah. You know, I've said that on many roundtables. I've been the guy who's potted on the table, even to give him a short yardage role in all this. But at, at this stage of the game, it's time to, it's time to officially, you know, you know move on. I, I think, I, I think let, let Zeke, Zeke's going to find a place. I, I know somebody's going to pick him up, oh, even, if sure. it's a, even if it's a late, a late minute thing, last minute thing where he gets picked up because of an injury at the position for a team. He's gonna find he's gonna find a team. He's gonna be able to play. I just to me it's it's Tony Pollard's turn. I think he's in. Obviously, we you know the franchise tag was you know that whole situation ended today where he's gonna play on the deal. He's not he didn't get a long term deal with the team. So it's a it's a make or break year for him literally. So it's it, it's to me it's let's see what we have in Tony Pollard as the lead back. But also you mentioned a couple names here. Deuce Vaughn is electric. Yeah. To me to me and, and yes he's a little guy. He went to Kansas State. There's another guy who did the same exact thing, had a good career, Darren Sproles. We've all heard that. We all know that. But Deuce Vaughn is a very talented guy. He led I, I believe I believe he's one of the few guys in college football. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he was top ten in rushing yards the last two seasons. There's not many guys I don't think did that. I don't even think my guy Sean Tucker did that. No. It, it, it's one of those things where I get he's a diminutive guy, but if you use him the right way, he can catch passes. He can run the ball. Obviously, we've seen that. He's explosive. To me, he's a perfect. To me, he's a perfect RB three at this point. I think RB two is going to come down to Malik Davis or Ronald Jones. But Ronald Jones, to me, he was not utilized by any reading company last year. He just was not utilized the right way. He's got a lot of tread on the tire still. He, he's he's a good running back. He's to me he he can do. What you know, in many ways, what Zeke did last year, he can yeah. be more of that. He's the, he's he's a bigger back, so he can do those things that it helps you know keep Tony Pollard fresh. And you know you're going to get a guy who can get four yards a carry. Like I'm not expecting Ronald Jones to you know to rush for a thousand yards in, in 2023. That's not that's definitely not what I'm saying. But he can be a very good complement and a and a guy who has he has the experience, he has the Super Bowl pedigree, he's got all of those things where he can bring that to the locker room 
where not, you know, not everybody on the team is going to be a Super Bowl champion. So it's yeah. good that you can get a guy that he's won with the Chiefs. He's won with the Bucs. And especially with the Bucs, he did pretty, you know, he had a pretty good run there with the Bucs. Last year was forgettable. And, and to me, I, I look at that as that was just kind of a, a, a situation where the team, Kansas City and the coaching staff, they didn't know how to use him in their offense. And that's, and that's the unfortunate part. But on the bright side for the Cowboys, they got him for a super discount. He's a he's a Texas guy, you know. He's he was you know he's he, he played played high school ball not too far from from uh, you know Dallas. So he's he's a Texas guy. So he you know to me I think he's the guy that should be the RB two. I know a lot of people would disagree. They they like Malik Davis, which I do as well. But I think I think you need to have a guy that is definitely a proven commodity in the league. Malik Davis hasn't had that enough enough of a sample size to prove to prove me one way or the other. And obviously. You draft the Deuce Vaughn for a reason. He's going to be on the team regardless. Obviously, that's that's a lock. If there's a lock on this uh, on the running back room, it's it's Tony Pollard and Deuce and, and and Deuce Vaughn at this point. It's going to come down to I think it's going to come down to if the Cowboys decide to carry three backs this year, it's going to come down to Ronald Jones or, or Malik. I, I just no nothing against Rico. I just you know I, I think I know the Cowboys like him, but he's you know the best ability is availability, and he's not available enough. He gets hurt all the time and. It's, it's unfortunate because he's flashed ability, but at the same time, it's like, okay, when is it going to be enough where you're like, okay, we, we, you know, we like you, we, we, you have good tools, but if we can't get you to play often enough, we're going to have to move on. And yeah. I think, I think Malik Davis and Ronald Jones, that's going to be a fun battle. And it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with with a guy like Deuce Vaughn. That's, that if, if the Cowboys can execute the, the game plan and get Deuce Vaughn some good touches in some good situations, it's going to be a fun watch. And what do you have for your second point? Because I do think that the running back position is certainly interesting to watch, but what's your second point? Uh, is it going to be positive? Are we going to go two for two, unlike Halman, where, uh, like I said, he was 50% positive. <laughs> so you said your glass half full. Let's see if you can carry this through. Uh, yes, I'm definitely going positive. I'm a positive guy. I try to be as positive as possible, live every day positively. It's hard as, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's hard to do. But oh, yeah. I, I have to at this point. I have to do it because I haven't seen anything from the Cowboys thus far. I know, I know training camp is going to start in literally, you know, next week. Yeah. So we don't know what's, what, what's good or bad or indifferent at this point, because, you know, all the videos I've seen on social media are, you know, Oh, this guy's running great in shorts in a, in a tank, you know, like, Oh, that's, that's great. Let's, let's wait till the pads are on. Let's see where they're really at at this point. So I, you know, to me, all the off season stuff is cool. I, you know, it's the intrigue is great. They're we're putting in the work, but until you get the pads and everything on it, we're playing tackle football. That's when we're going to see some things. And there's one guy who's really good at playing tackle football and uh, he's that first-round pick we just drafted out of Michigan, Mozzie mm. Smith. And to me, I think the early storyline coming uh, coming into training camp is Mozzie is going to solidify himself as the defensive tackle on the Dallas Cowboys wow. right off the gate. He's he is that he's that dog. Like, and I've read some things, you know, from you know colleagues and, and other you know other writers around the the Cowboys universe, but he. The, the battle to me is he's going to pull away from Hankins pretty quickly. That's that's my feeling about him. I love Hankins. I think Hankins is the perfect guy to help Mozzie along and, and show him the ropes in an NFL setting. But Mozzie Smith has things that most people don't have. He's got the physical tools. 
he's just he's a he's a hardworking kid. He's a good kid. He checks those boxes, and it's going to be fun to see him just dominate the middle this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to prove a lot of people wrong for that first round pick. People that were not happy with the pick, they're gonna they're gonna eat crow because I have a good feeling. Maybe the stats won't be like you know crazy big, but his impact on the game is going to be huge because the way he plays, he's going to free up DeMarcus. He's going to free up Parsons. He's going to free up Sam Williams. Like those, like he's going to eat up the middle so much that he's going to have Parsons and, 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 and Lawrence, you know, doing their thing pretty much yeah. on an island on those tackles. And those boys are going to be eating lunch and they're going to be in the backfield all the time. So to me, Mozzie's stats might not be show up. You know, they're not going to show up on those, on those different, you know, pro football reference, those stat sites. But his impact from watching film, he's going to make Parsons and Lawrence. He's going to have some, those boys are going to have some big numbers because of the way he plays the game. And similarly, I think when training camp comes around, these are the times that you can see these training camp battles really take place, really take shape. And, you know, I hate this cliche. I brought it up to uh, Simi Fajoko last week when we talked to him where iron sharpens iron. I hate that saying. But I do think with the Cowboys, I mean, we've seen in the past where Tyron Smith was going against Demarcus Lawrence and all the times where Demarcus Lawrence would get the best of Tyron or Tyron would win all the time against Demarcus. And so I, I do think that when you go best on best, like you really do learn a lot from that. And I, I cannot wait to see like if Tyler Smith is going to be inside a guard, you know, if that happens the way it could, if Tyron Smith is at left tackle, you're going to see Mozzie Smith go against Tyler Smith. And then on the other side, you could see Mozzie Smith going against Zach Martin. And I think not only for those guys to kind of like kind of reassert themselves as one of the better guards in the NFL, I think for Mozzie, he's going to learn a lot very quickly going against somebody like Zach Martin. And there's not many other players that get better than Zach Martin. So if you can go against him every single day in practice, Zach can kind of work with him and say, okay, when you go at me or any sort of guard on the inside, this is the move that you want to take. If you want to go on the outside shoulder, this is what you want to do. So I think it'll be very interesting to see his development. I do think that when you see that he's number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list from last year of the athletic, I mean, that just doesn't happen just on its own. Like he puts in the effort. He's a freaky twitchy athlete. And I think Dan Quinn also sees a lot of pass rush capability with him. We just saw Quentin Williams get a lot of money with the jets. We know how much Aaron Donald makes. So if Mozzie Smith can kind of be that next defensive tackle to be on the precipice of being an all pro, I think that that would just solidify the Dallas defense. And I think you bring up a great point. It's somebody that when they're an athletic freak, similar to what Micah Parsons was when he first came in, they flash quickly and often. So I do think that that could be a very realistic possibility and something similar. I, I said, I think that you're going to see a lot of creativity with the tight end position. I think Mike McCarthy has talked about this where tight ends are an important part of hit, not only his offense, but in this offense in general, where he said, nobody's really a starter right now. Like Jake Ferguson, of course, is getting the most work in with Dak Prescott, but I think there's still a role for Hendershot, Schoonmaker, and even Sean McEwen, where you have the four horsemen where a lot of these guys it's a brotherhood now, you know, and I think that they know that when one guy eats, they all eat. And I think that Mike McCarthy knows what role for what player. I think you're going to see Schoonmaker have an impact on the run game. Very often he did that at Michigan and really, really well. And I think also the one thing that goes underlooked when you talk about a lot of these position groups is like they need a leader to lead them. And I know it's when you say lead twice, but it's true. Like Lunda Wells is a great tight ends coach and I think that it's been sort of under the radar the past few seasons where he helped develop Dalton Schultz into the guy that we saw and then of course now is with the Texans but Peyton Andershot, Jake Ferguson they all took a bigger leap than what was expected last year because I think of 
Lundewells' leadership. So I think that you'll see how great of a coach he is this year when he works with guys like Schoonmaker with Ferguson taking that number one role, presumably. And Dak's been getting a lot of work with the tight ends because we know he targets them often. So I think you're going to see a lot more out of the tight end position early and often coming out of the first week. And it's going to be good. I, I, I don't know where you stand with the tight ends. I know everybody wanted the Cowboys to draft one in the first round, but that didn't happen. Whoa, whoa, but hey, hey, easy not, there, hey. not you. Not you. <laughs> other people. Other people. But, you know, where do you stand on, like, is Ferguson the guy that you want to see taking the first team reps? Is it somebody else? What, what do you think about the tight end position? Well, like our good friend Holloman, him and I, him and I disagreed on that very strongly. Yeah. He was, you know, he was a king, he was a Kincaid guy all the way through, and uh, he's he's going to be playing for uh, you know my neighbors uh, two and a half hours uh, in Western New York in, in Buffalo. Good get for them. He's a good player. I I just never saw the value of of a first round tight end like some some of our our friends have, but. Yeah, I love this tight end room. Yeah. I just, you know what? There's yes. Is there not a Travis Kelsey on the team? Sure. And and before before we continue with the tight end talk, I gotta put my four fingers up because that's four horsemen, baby. And I, as you know, I'm a wrestling fan. Woo! Ric Flair was one of the horror four horsemen. So when you when you have a wrestling uh, a wrestling name yeah. for a tight end group, you know you got my attention. Oh, yeah. I, I I absolutely love it. And and these guys are not stars yet. I think of the group, I think, I really think Ferguson's the guy. I, to me, that's that's where I stand. I love Schoonmaker. I think he's also got a lot of ability. I think he's got a really good shot to be a good football player. And then Hendershot, he's a he's a wild card for me, man. I I, I think I think he could he could sleep, sneak in on or sleep, you know, he could sleep. People are gonna sleep on him. Yeah. That's that's the thing. People are gonna sleep on him. He's gonna sneak up on people. And then obviously you got McEwen. I think McEwen's another guy, which. To to me, I did you know I did write an article you know maybe a month or two back. I, I think McEwen's job is I think his job's on the line this year, with especially especially with uh, with Hunter Lepke. I think Hunter Lepke is going to be, to me, I think he's going to be that fullback, fourth tight end hybrid player because he can do it. Nothing against Sean McEwen, you know I love what he's done for the boys, but I, I think Hunter brings more versatility. So I think if the Cowboys are going to carry four, which you know I feel like they will. I think Hunter's going to be – I think Hunter Lepke from North Dakota State is going to be the fourth tight end. Now, when it comes to the top three, I think your third is going to be Peyton Hendershot. I think I think he locks himself into the third unless he has some crazy training camp and just blows by everybody, which is certainly possible because he has flashed ability. But to me, it's a, it's a two-horse race for that, that number one spot. And to me, it, it, honestly, the Cowboys could do it as a one-and-one-A and nobody's nobody should complain about it because Schoonmaker has tight end one ability. We know Ferguson has tight end one tight end one ability. I don't need I don't need to have you know if I could have four Travis Kelsey, sure that, yeah. that's you know I, I think everybody would take that. But if you got four guys that are hungry, they have the ability, and they all do some do things a little bit differently. They bring different things to the table. I think it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun this year. And I think like you said, McCarthy is going to be really creative with these tight ends. And he darn sure better be because those guys need to get on the field just as much as, you know, as, as a guy like Vaughn, you know, you know, as, as a guy like Turpin and, you know, these, the thing with McCarthy, it's not even just a tight end group. It, he, he has so many weapons that he's going to have at his disposal. He really can't screw this up. Can he? Like there's, there's so much talent on this team. Yeah. It's, I haven't felt this good, not only from the tight end room, because I think, I think it's very underrated. I think it's one of the, I think it's going to, by season's end, people are going to be talking about the Cowboys' tight end room is one of the better ones in the league. That's just how I feel. 
But with, with everything that they put together on offense, all the weapons, like to me, it's McCarthy. McCarthy better do something good with, with these boys. And, and and to me, it's criminal that Kevontae Turpin has not played on offense as, as much as he should have. And, and Turpin wants to play on offense more. And I think I think part of it was the USFL. I think, you know, obviously he played there. So, he, you know, he, he you know whether he's going to say it or not, he's probably not going to say it, but let's be honest, that's a lot of football he played last year. Yeah. So, you know, a full off season where he's not doing USFL, this and that, to get, get healthy, get rested up, I think that's – I think seeing what you can do with guys like Turpin and Vaughn and Lepke who do different things, like in general, McCarthy's McCarthy's got to spread the wealth. And I think it's, I think this offense has got a chance to be really good. And on my last round table, I did, you know, a little while back, I came out and I was very, I'm very staunch about it. 5,000 passing yards for Dak Prescott. Oof. That's the, that's the number. I don't see why he can't get it this year. It's, it's, there's too many weapons. It's, it's, I'm feeling really good. I know they called me crazy when I did, you know, when I was, I was throwing some, I was throwing some stuff out there. I think I, I think I might, I don't know if I said, you know, 14 and three, something, you know, something crazy, but it ain't crazy for me. Cause you know, I was feeling pretty good that night. And I think, I think the Cowboys could easily win 13, 14 games in the regular season. It's I'm excited for this team. I think as long as injury bug doesn't get us too bad, I think the Cowboys are going to be built for a long, a long fun road ahead. Well, you have me excited for the season. I'll tell you that. If if, if Dak's throwing for 5,000 yards to win in 14 games, I mean, that is a, a fun season. And I'm definitely now excited to see, you know, the, the future of the writer's block and all the new voices that we're going to have on here. It's something that's going to be pretty special, and you guys can be along for the ride for all of it. And, of course, that starts with training camp next week. So I'm so happy that we got to introduce Halman and now Brandon as the new voices of the writer's block. And, and Brandon, so happy to have you here. Uh, before we sign off, where can people find you now that you're going to be officially a voice on the podcast? And uh, just to replug that social media, that Twitter account of yours. Of course, yeah. So you can find me at icebreaker Twenty One. Uh, you, that's, that's where I'm at. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not the, uh, you know, the, the Instagram guy. Like, so, you know, I know a lot of y'all do Instagram. I have an Instagram account. No joke. I do, but I logged into it once cause I wanted to see a video and that was pretty much the, the extent of my Instagram. I, I, you know, that's pretty much where you can find me. I don't go on any other social media sites. It's, you know, I, I, I'm, I stay low key, especially during the off season. So, you know, I know you're pretty active. I, you know, I follow your stuff, man. You're always staying on top of things. In the off season, I kind of sit back and enjoy things a little bit. I just watch the, the the videos that I see you posted and all the other members of our family. So once the once things get really rolling, I'll you know you'll see you'll see me more on social media. I just kind of. I like to, I like to take a step back when the off season happens. Well, this way you get the thumbs nice and fresh for when it comes for the regular season, right? Got to tweet out when it comes time when it comes to crunch yes. time. So for Brandon Clements and David Hellman, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you for everyone joining us this week on the Writers Block Podcast. And always remember, like we always end, go Cowboys. 